Please listen carefully. And now, live from the aquarium in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions podcast, featuring two guys napping in a Wookiee's lap, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we are wrapping up in a tidy bow our series called Star Wars All-Stars. All-Stars of Star Wars. In this series, we've gone through the different Star Wars media, books or literature, video games, television shows, the prequels, the original trilogy, the stories, the sequel trilogy, and we've picked one character that we consider our all-star out of it that we want on a crew that we are now going to put on a ship we're going to pick and then pick the villain that they're going to fight. Yep, we are picking the villains, but I think we did a good job of hitting all the bases. Like, we didn't go too deep into Legends and all the Banhammer stuff, but, I mean, we covered all the bases. Books, TV, movie, everything, yeah. Yeah, so, before we start, let's go through the crew that's going to be on the ship we're going to pick. So, we're actually going to, we usually do three, but since we're doing two things at the same time, we're going to do two ships and two villains, so... Second place, first place. That's all we're going to do. But yeah, yeah. as far as who's on our ships, who's on your ship, Mikey? Uh, for me, I got Quinlan Voss from the books. I got Arvel Krynid from the video games. I got Quill from the Mandalorian TV show. Sebulba from the prequels. R2-D2 from the original trilogy, because obviously. Uh, but also Chirrut Imwe from the stories and Babu Frick ha-ha, from the sequels. Fixing stuff in the engine room. Oh, he's the best. <laughs> And on my ship, I will have Wedge Antilles from the old X-Wing books, Shriv Shurgav from the video games, Battlefront. I got Migs Mayfeld also from The Mandalorian. Bill, Bill Burr, Burr, yeah. I got from the prequels, I have Kit Fisto, the smiling Jedi <laughs> <laughs> from the uh, original trilogy. I picked Boba Fett, who was a minor character back then. From the Star Wars stories, got K2SO. And from the sequel trilogies, I have Heartthrob Tally Lintra. Absolutely. <laughs> one of our totems for the podcast. Yes. And so now, Mikey will tell us his second place pick for a ship that his crew could have gone on. I don't know about you, Mikey, but for me, only having two, I kept, I'm flipping, flopping, flipping, flopping, flipping, flopping. And I still, I'm still think I'm flipping, flopping while you're making yours. Uh, I'm, I'm absolutely with you. Uh, because it's only two. And because it is sort of the, the, the wrap-up of our Build-A-Crew series, it really could go either way. I did pick two ships, but I'm happy with either ship. Mm-hmm. I have justification for why one is second and one is first, but, you know, it, it's a coin toss, mm-hmm. which I always win, so. <laughs> but we're starting with ships, so I win the coin toss, and the coin has a, a, a bunch of different Star Wars ships on it, but it's the ship I pick comes up heads, and the one that comes up heads is... The Razor Crest, driven by Jin Jarin from The Mandalorian. Ah, Razor Crest. The Razor Crest. Bringing it back to life again. We like bringing stuff back to life. It did suffer a demise. At uh, It was a one-shot by uh, Moff Gideon's uh, starship. Just it blew it out of the water. That's uh, why. Why? And I will back that up because the reason I picked the Razor Crest is that I think we said this when, when we were doing our uh, Mandalorian review, but... The Razor Crest is the secret antagonist of the Mandalorian series. <laughs> yeah. 
he comes across bad guys. He comes across bounty hunters. He comes across people that want to do do him wrong. But one of the main reasons that Jin Jarn makes the choices that he makes is because of the Razor Crest. It's either needs repairs or it's crash landed on an ice planet or it needs to be it it fell into the sea after a crash landing once one of its engines went down but the razor crest is like it's always the problem in the mandalorian <laughs> yes now it's gone but for the first two seasons half the narrative was because oh we need to fix the razor crest or we need to use the razor crest as a transport ship for a frog lady or we need your Razor Crest to help us in this heist mission to go, you know, with Migs Mayfield and go to a prison. Like, it's the secret reason for everything. And so I kind of love it for that, and that's why I'm picking the Razor Crest. But the Razor Crest, it is a gunship. It does have laser cannons on it, but the Razor Crest gets points for me because it's sort of the, it, it, like, it was a, a patrol ship for the, for the Imperials. But it has that edge where it's kind of a jalopy, almost looks like a transport ship and goes under the radar. And while it is a warship, you don't really think of it as that. It's like, oh, look at that hunk of junk just flying through the sky. Also, that makes you able to go off the grid undercover and be like, yeah, we're going to get in here regardless. Razor Crest is also our first uh, instance of Star Wars having space toilets. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We mentioned that on our Mandalorian wrap-up. That's still funny to me. Is like the first time we ever see a toilet in the Star Wars universe is on the Razor Crest. <laughs> but it's got laser cannons. It's got uh, Jin Djarin's full arsenal of weapons and old droid parts. It's got a carbonite freezing chamber. It's got everything. Uh, the reason it's second pick, and this is loosely justified, is that it really seems like it only has place for like four people. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit on the smaller side, which is a consideration. My first place ship has room for more people, but for the Razor Crest, it is a little on the smaller side. But I mean, it gets the Mandalorian everywhere he wants to go and it survives most everything except for that final blast. So such a cool ship. I mean, it looks awesome. Yes, the Razor Crest. And I, I'm still, I, I haven't ever heard them say whether or not there's an homage to Firefly in there or not, because it seems such a similar kind of ship. Absolutely. It's got those twin engines. Yeah. And like the Firefly was the same sort of like, we're a storage ship, but also we're capable of yeah. going into battle. That yeah. whole aspect. Oh, I love that whole premise. Yes. The Razor Crest. Rest in peace, Razor Crest. <laughs> R.I.P. We're bringing it back to life for a second pick. All right, my second pick, and this I'm, I've been flipping and flopping, but I'm going to put this on the second, even though it could easily have been the first, and I, I, I love it, but I need something a little more. I have too many good pilots, so the second pick is more appropriate. <laughs> but this first ship is very much home for a lot of people, and I've talked about this game a lot. From Knights of the Old Republic, Yes, the Eben Hawk, which sounds so much like Ethan Hawk, it's hilarious to me. <laughs> But that is the main ship in Knights of the Old Republic that, that's your home, basically. It's your base. It's where you travel in. It's where you do all your hyperspace traveling and everything. And uh, it's used throughout the series. It's, it's your base. It's your camp. It's, you get really familiar with it in a video game because you spend so much time in it. Mm -hmm. And because it's a video game ship, it's very well defined, more so than a lot of the ships in movies and TV shows where... A lot of times they kind of have to piece together how this stuff goes together because they didn't think about it, mm -hmm. which is uh, the case with the Millennium Falcon, I think, actually. They had to figure out, like, 
hey, this doesn't actually seem like it would work from what's <laughs> on the outside, what's on the inside. They're all like the TARDIS. Yeah, we got to add some context to it. Oh, no, <laughs> we got to figure this out. But Knights of the Old Republic, one of the greatest Star Wars video games ever. That's, I guess, everything's legends now. I don't know why they bother doing that when it's something that was happened such in the ancient past. I don't see why you just don't go like, yeah, that was canon. Because, I mean, how much is it going to mess up? Well, they, it seems like they're they, they now they're setting up the standard. Yeah. Like we're bringing it back on our own terms yeah. and doing it the Disney Disney way. The Disney way. But anyway, <laughs> the Even Hawk is a dynamic class freighter from the time of the Old Republic. It's supposed to have a super hot hyperdrive in it. It's one of the fastest ships in the Outer Rim territories. You got twin turbo lasers on the top and two heavy laser cannons on each side, so it can fight. Uh, <laughs> It's got a bunch of crew quarters because you have a whole big crew in the game. And it's got secret compartments. It was a smuggler ship. Uh, it's basically kind of the Millennium Falcon, sort of, but different. But it's red. It's cool looking. It's like the Millennium Falcon with like the cockpit in the middle, almost. Okay. That but makes it's sense. Square. I actually have a picture. Look, I brought pictures. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, I see. I it's see. Them. like an E, kind of. Yeah, I see the Millennium Falcon resemblance, yeah. but that seems like a level up. So I'm on board with it. That's great. yeah. It's cool because one of the cool things it has on it, it has a it has a garage <laughs> for, for for cars. Like, yeah, no, for like a swoop bike or some little oh, okay. uh, vehicle like that. So that's cool. <laughs> so uh, and it, it's it's fun because it's part of the initial missions on the this, the game spoilers, I guess. But you start the game off, you're stranded on a planet because of the Sith are after the Jedi Bastila, who's the, one of the first characters you encounter. Mm -hmm. And you're trapped on this planet, I think it's called Tarsus. Taurus? Taurus. The city of Taurus. I don't know if I forget what the planet is called. Maybe that's called Taurus. Maybe it's Taurus City. I don't know. Anyway, you're in the city and one of the initial missions is finding a way off the planet. Yep. And finding the way off the planet includes you stealing the Eben Hawk from a crime lord. So I guess they make it okay to steal it because you're stealing it from a bad guy. Yeah, it counts. <laughs> so, and you pick up a whole bunch of your characters along the way. Some of the bad characters come from this mission because they're helping you steal it. They're like thieves helping you steal from the thief so they can get off too because the Sith have the planet quarantined and blockaded. And this is the only ship fast enough and stealthy enough and capable enough to make it past that blockade. Of course. So it's the only ship you, you, you can get to do it. So you have to get it because you have to get Bastille off and back to the Jedi Council or whatever the thing is. But the struggle to save the ship is such, it's so endearing. Like, this is our ship now because we claimed it and it, yeah. it helped us survive. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So it's fun, but like I said, it's got everything you want on it. It's a perfect ship for this kind of thing because it's so well-defined. Because it's for a video game. You have your med bay so you can heal up. You have, there you, you know, the garage has a workshop in it so you can craft. <laughs> you know, the they have the big navigation hologram. Hologram? Hologram? Hologram. Are they called hollow? Are they just called holograms? Hollow deck? <laughs> no, that's in Star Trek. And they're just called holograms. The little communications they do. Like yeah, Princess yeah, yeah. Leia. It's just called hologram, right? It's not called anything fancy. Nope. And you can, uh, for your, your navigation through the stars, your hyperspace lanes and all that stuff. So it's good. But it is basically a freighter and it's basically the Millennium Falcon. So that's why it's second pick because we can't pick the Falcon. And this pretty much is the Falcon, <laughs> but different. And it seems a little bit upgraded. Yeah, it is a little bit upgraded. But We've I like the center thing. I almost picked a, I almost picked a ship that would be so nerdy and so obscure. I don't know if anyone would relate to it. 
So this would technically be third pick. Okay. But the Ebon Hawk is very much like it. There was a, uh, in the Star Wars role-playing game, and later on they put it in a book that I think was like the Millennium Falcon repair manual or whatever it was. <laughs> you know, it was, And it had, it showed the modularity of the, those YT ships. Yes. And how you can move the cockpit pod around. And one of them had the cockpit pod in the middle where the little prongs are, and it looked a lot like the Ebon Hawk, so... I always liked that. I thought it was cool. It is cool, and we've had we've had some conversations about this outside of the podcast. But like the whole reason the cockpit is offset on the Millennium Falcon is because it is a storage ship, and there should be containers that go in the middle yep. of it. Like there's concept art out there that blows my mind because that was never even a consideration for me. It's like, oh, that's what the actual ship should do. Yeah, and I don't I don't even know if they intended it that way or if that's one of those awesome Star Wars retcons that they do. If it is retcon, then props to them for coming up with it because that's that's great logic and great visualization. Yeah, so many of those old ships were kit bashed where they just went to the store and <laughs> got a whole bunch of World War II airplanes and ship models and then just made the ships out of those. Yeah, we're going to add some tubes and some sonars <laughs> and here's the pipes and also some bombs on the side. Why not? So the Ethan Hawk, I love you. I think it's hilarious that you sound like Ethan Hawk all the time. And I don't know because it's the same era-ish. The game came out in the turn of the century. And there you was... go. If you bring it back, though, you do have to have an AI on the ship voiced by Ethan Hawke. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to make it full circle. <laughs> well, that, that's a great pick, but the question is, do we go to number one ships or number two bad guys? Where are we going? I think we go to number one ships. we got to oh. put them on the ship first. Okay, yeah, ships first, and then bad guys. Okay. So I picked the Razorcrest for second, but that is outdone because... I don't want to give too much away, but I am enthralled with the new series of Star Wars that's currently airing, and that is The Bad Batch. Yes. So my first pick for a ship is the ship that is manned and crewed by the Clone 99 uh, order, which is the Havoc Marauder. Wow, that's a good name. It, oh, the, the Star Wars Halo, they're, they're on point with their ship names. That's, that's half the reason ships are cool is if you give them a cool name. If you give them a lame name, I, I, I'm probably not going to be on board. <laughs> but the Havoc Marauder is an Omnicron-class attack shuttle that served as the personal starship for Clone Force 99. The Omnicron-class ship is sort of, like, common. It is uh, one that was used by the Republic as a common starship, but the Clone 99 Order one is has a unique design. It is specific to the Bad Batch. And the reason I pick it is also, this is personal to me, but it's like the perfect marriage of Star Wars and Star Trek because it looks like a Star Wars ship, but it also looks like a Klingon warbird. Oh, yeah. Or a, a Romulan bird of prey. Mm -hmm. Like, it's the, it's the perfect halfway point between both of them. Mm. It's got, looks kind of like a, a Y-wing, but upside down. So it's got the three tri-wings, but... It's angular. It looks like a hawk. It looks like it looks like it's gonna do you some trouble. Much like the Razor Crest played a character in the Mandalorian, the Havoc Marauder plays sort of a character in the Bad Batch so far. I don't want to give anything away because there are some really cool points that involve the ship and the the Bad Batch crew, but it does play an important part in it. Like it's their home away from home. Like you're saying with the Ebon Hawk, it's it's your home away from home. Like. It's a familiarity. It's something you can rely on. It's your home base that you can return to, and it seems like they're setting that up for the Havoc Marauder in the Bad Batch. It's got enough space for all of our crew, so that's 
reason reason number one why it's first pick is I can put all my crew on here. Babu Frick can hide in the vents somewhere, maybe <laughs> you know, set up in the in the pipes and everything. But it is a it is a warship. It is a battleship. It has artillery. It has storage for weapons. It has guns on it. It has hyperdrive. It's prepared for any mission, stealthy or non-stealthy, that you can go for. It does look like a warship, so maybe undercover is a little bit of a stretch, but still can manage it because the 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 bad batch has been sent on numerous missions. So, but here's some fun trivia that I learned in my research of the Havoc Marauder because we're only starting we're only starting to see this now with the new Bad Batch series, which thumbs up, but. The ship was supposed to show up in one of the old Clone Wars episodes, mm-hmm. but there was an unfinished version of an episode called A Distant Echo, but the ship was in there, and they had designed it to have the old World War II pinup art on it. Oh, yeah. But it was Princess Amidala, like, sort of as a pinup girl on the side, huh. on the nose, and it said, good to be bad on it. But apparently that was scrapped somewhere along in somewhere along the production, but I'm I'm kind of sad about that because that would have been so cool. <laughs> Just have a Princess Amidala on the side being like, yep, good to be bad. It's like, oh, that's World War II warship. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm picking the Havoc Marauder. It's the, it's the perfect halfway point for me between Star Wars and Star Trek. It's got enough room for everybody, has weapons on it, can get where you need to go, can take a rough landing. Kind of spoiler alert, they do crash (laughs) in one of the episodes, but it survives. I mean, get you where you need to go. So, number one spaceship, Havoc Marauder. Doesn't it have the cool folding wings like the shuttle does? Yeah. And, And like, that's a very Star Wars thing, the folding wings, because I think uh, Kylo Ren's ship has that folding wing thing, too. Yeah. Because, like I was saying, it's a Y wing, so it does have the three wings, but the wings that come down do fold up into that trifold, depending on your flight pattern or how you need to land. Ugh. That's great. I love the Star Wars moving. They have a lot of moving wing things. Like the <laughs> X-Wing has its two modes and, you know, the B-Wing can kind of float around. The I like moving wing things. It's, it's smart. It's sci-fi nerd stuff. I yeah, mean, like, fun. yes, it looks cool in space, but when you actually get to land, how does it, you know, it needs to shift. Otherwise, you're going to chop off some wings. Yeah. Can't have that. Oh, man, that's a good. Well, I guess for our first picks for our podcast, Dave Filoni and crew are killing it because my first pick is also from a Dave Filoni property. Yes. My first pick is as much as I like the Ebon Hawk and it would be nice and roomy. This is a little smaller ship, but making a smaller ship makes it more capable and it has some fun stuff. on. I'm picking from Star Wars Rebels, the ghost. Yeah. Harrison Dola's awesome ship. The modified VCX100 light freighter. <laughs> that sounds real technical. Yeah, it's a uh, made in Corellia, so it does have kind of a little little bit of um, a Millennium Falcon vibe, but not exactly. It's 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 different enough that this isn't another Falcon, and it's got a lot of cool stuff in it that makes it different. One of the reasons I love this ship is that. Speaking of World War II stuff, mm-hmm. this it looks like a World War II ship. It looks kind of like the fake German airplane from the Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah. The one that he fights that guy, the big guy, bald guy in front of. That ends up getting taken yeah, out by, yeah. pro- by the propeller. <laughs> yeah. It looks like that. It looks like one of the weird weapons of World War II that was never made or something like that. But wait, you're telling me that the plane in Indiana Jones wasn't real? No, it's not a real plane. I totally... Okay, I totally thought it was real. No, it's not a real plane. I learned something new today. It just kind of like made a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> hey, Spielberg, he does stuff. 
<laughs> so he was he made an accurate tank in Saving Private Ryan. So there you go. That it, tank wasn't real, but they built it off of plans. It's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> so the Ghost is uh, such a is such a cool looking ship to me. It's a it's a light freighter, but it's been heavily modified. And the reason why it's called the Ghost is because it's been modified with all kinds of like anti-detection sensors and stuff. Nice. It can just kind of just go full stealth mode and kind of slip off the grid. And I think that's part of the way it's shaped with kind of as these triangular angles on it. So it's very much stealth fighter looking stuff. But it's got the cool front end that looks like a World War II bomber. <laughs> and it's got a nose gun that someone can go down into. And it's got a top turret that someone can go into. But the thing that really sells the ghost to me is not only is this, this comfy ship is the home for everyone in the Rebels, you get very familiar with it, but it has an extra ship on it. It has a starfighter on the back of it that can act as a like a rear gun, but can also be released, and it can fly around and fight. One of the things that has spoilers for a show that's been out a while, but <laughs> one of the sad things that happens is that the, the ship is called uh, the Phantom, and one of the things that happens to it is that it gets destroyed at some point, and then they replace it with what's called the Phantom Two, but it's replaced with like a, a more shuttle type thing, and it's not as starfightery. I got and you. And it was like, <laughs> it's not as cool looking. It gives it a kind of fin on the back instead, but I don't know. I don't like the Phantom Two. I like the Phantom One, but the Phantom One is called a VCX series auxiliary starfighter. So. But that, that's smart picking, a, an extra ship on a ship. I love it. Right, because I have three pilots on here. Well, f- I mean, everyone can fly because, you know, Boba Fett flies and K2S is a co-pilot. Yeah, most, there's lots of pilots here, but... You have s- three of the best. But Wedge Antilles, Shriv Shurgav, and Tally Lindra are like starfighter pilots. So I'm thinking that there's too much good flying. So yeah. I, I, if I can have two things to fly, awesome. So I don't know... Who would go where? It seems like I, I think I kind of want Tally in the Starfighter because she's young and got those like fast twitch things. And, you know, Wedge can be up front being all commandery there you and go. stuff. And Shriv can be his co-pilot. And then you got like Boba Fett can be in one of the turrets. You know what I mean? And then you can have Migs in one of the other turrets. And K2SO can be in the navigation thing because he's a droid. There you go. And Kit Fisher will be sitting there smiling in that other extra seat going like, yeah. You know, no, Miggs is just standing in the unloading bay when the the, the, the door is down and he's just picking off people from the back <laughs> of the ship. Yeah. yeah. So like I said, the light freighter's got plenty of room, but it's small, but it's not too small. It's small enough that it can do cool starfightery stuff. There you go. But it's it's big enough that it's comfortable. It's got like four different little triangular cargo bays on each end. And I think there's only four rooms on it. Because that's what, how many, that was basically the characters. Yeah, you had like Hera and, yeah, there was basically four. Okay. But some people were double bunked and you can do that too. Or we don't need all that cargo space. You can turn that into rooms. (laughs) Get crazy with it. I'm pretty sure Boba Fett sleeps standing up. He seems like that (laughs) type of person anyway. Yeah. So the ghost is my ship. I think it would be awesome in any context. Kind of weird not having all the people in Rebels in it, but I think my ragtag crew would kind of changes the face of it. I got you. You know, it's kind of Rebels. Then it's like, oh, yay, good guys. I kind of got more of a ragtag crew, and it'll be more of a, are they up to good? Are they up to no good? I mean, there's a lot of good guys in there, but there's a lot of in-between guys in there. It's interesting. I like it. Yeah, it's it's got the good guy paint on it, but maybe it has a couple stamps of all the yeah. bad guy ships they've taken out yeah. on their missions. But 
the ghost. I really liked that ship. I like that it showed up in the sequels, too. Where did it show up in the sequels? I believe, internet let me know if I'm wrong, but <laughs> I believe it was one of the ships in the giant battle in the last movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it, it shows up in there, but... I think a lot of stuff is in there, and I think people were picked it apart greatly to figure out what was all in there. I don't know if there's a potato in there, but <laughs> it's a shoe. Remember the potato in the shoe from yeah, the yeah. asteroid field? But it, it's cool that it shows up in a battle rather than being like the Easter egg, like, oh, it's in the back of the hangar over there, just being repaired or something. Yeah, I think it's hidden in Rogue One somewhere, too, I think. I know they call out General Sindula on the intercom. Yep. But... It's really good. I I like the design, so way to go, Filoni. And hey, smart picking on you, ship within a ship. You can do pincer moves on all your missions. It's great. Tell again, get back there. (laughs) And Ghost, what a great name for a ship. Yeah, and it's appropriately called because it has all the sneaky, sneaky stuff. <laughs> Which, and, and you know from my video gaming, I like sneaky things. I was about to say, yeah, you are the stealth character more than you are me going in with a shotgun like, yeah. is there bad guys in here? Yeah. Pow, 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 pow. I like being sneaky. Oh, I love it. All right, so we got our ships. We got our crews on ships. Now we get to pick who is the villain we're going after. So we each pick two villains, first place and second place. We were not allowed to pick Darth Vader. Darth Vader was the easy one that was verboten. Just like we weren't allowed to pick the Millennium Falcon. Forgot to mention that, but we go. weren't allowed to pick it. <laughs> or any of the A-list sort of, uh, all the media we've gone through, we've avoided the, the main main names and we've gone sort of B-tier. Too easy. But, all too easy. But there's so many great bad guys in Star Wars, it was kind of hard It was kind of hard to narrow it down to just two. But for me, for my two, starting off at number two, Kind of based on character design alone, and also that he has four lightsabers at ready at all times, is General Grievous. Yes. The weird sort of robot creature that coughs, uh, that we get... His main presence is in the prequels, but he has a rich backstory. But Grievous is such a tragic character. Mm-hmm. Uh What's neat about him as a bad guy is that he has all those lightsabers, but he's not a Sith. He's not a Jedi. He has no force powers at all. He just has a real bad grudge against the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. And he keeps lightsabers as trophies. Yep. And he's killed hundreds of Jedis. <laughs> like a whole bunch. If you want to talk about bad guys wiping out good guys, General Grievous has the trophies to prove that, yeah, I'm kind of a bad guy. But the reason he is sort of like half robot, half organic is because he is a cyborg. He is originally a uh, Kalish male, which is like a warrior tribe. So you're talking like old Native Americans, sort of just tribal warriors, like Vikings, like bred for that. But then because of Jedi interference and Sith sort of uh, entanglement, he he's one of the cultures that gets sort of wiped out in the history of war that exists in Star Wars. But because of that, it instills in him a vengeance. He's like... I have to get back everybody that did my people wrong. But eventually he gets repaired. He gets cybernetics attached to him. And I didn't realize there's an actual explanation for his cough because that always bothered me in the prequels. General Grievous would be like, oh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> it's like, why are you coughing? You're you're supposed to be this like badass bad guy that takes out Jedi, but you have a, a, a lung weakness? Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. You have asthma? What's going on? But it turns out that for all of his cybernetic enhancements that makes him super quick, super strong, uh, better than most people, 
his organic body rejected it a little bit. Like they aren't perfect cybernetic enhancements. Like they work, but his body's like, uh, they kind of work, but we have an allergy to them. I don't know, but <laughs> it makes him cough. Just the fact he looks so cool. He's got that sort of Mandalorian creature mask that uh, apparently is a throwback to the creatures that were natural enemies to his original tribe. Mm. I didn't know that, but his mask represents that. He's got his cool cloak that represents his people as well, but he does the helicopter move and he he swings yeah. four lightsabers yeah. at once. Like that's the end all be all for me. That's just so cool. How do you go up against four lightsabers? I don't know. So General Grievous, bad guy. That that was one of the first ones that sprung to mind. I can tell you, even from the Lego Star Wars video game, it's hard to go against him. Oh, it's it's a whirlwind of of lightsaber fury. How do you how do you compete with that? It's hard. And then the fact that he has a grudge and he's a real grumpy dude. I mean. General Grievous. That's one of the great prequel characters of them all. We have a, a one of the those cool like Lego Technics of him at my house. Oh, fun! Really cool looking in Lego Technic form. Some things translate well to Legos. Absolutely. All right, that's a great number two pick. Could have easily been a number one pick. Could have. All right, my number two pick is one of my favorite Imperial bad guys of all time from the jump. He always scared me and intrigued me. I saw him when I was little. And I'm picking Willif Tarkin, otherwise known as Grand Moff Tarkin, played by the great Peter Cushing, the scary-looking Peter Cushing into a little kid. Yeah, he's got those weird cheekbones. Yeah. yeah. And I always was like, oh, scary guy on the Death Star blows up Aldron. Space, <laughs> he's a space Nazi, right? Is basically what it was. But as time goes on, they've used him for more and more stuff. Filoni loves using him and... Clone Wars and subsequent stuff. And they even did a whole Tarkin book that I read that was really good. And he's been in the comics and stuff. They've used him a lot, filling out his backstory. And it's really interesting. And I, I, I like what they've done with the character. Everything makes sense. Mm-hmm. Why is he in the power he's in? Was he doing here? Why does the Emperor like him so much? And it's all explained very well. But basically, Tarkin is from a planet called Iriadu, I guess. I'm not sure how sure you say I've just read it. <laughs> Star Wars planet, yep. Iriadu. And he's a politician, bureaucrat, military officer. He comes from like a well-off family, basically, and is locked in to everything. He was served in, in the Republic before the Clone War started. He was a, a politician. Then he became the governor of, of his planet in the Republic. And then the, when the Clone War started... He decided he would join up and became an officer in the Republic Navy. And he served under a Jedi general. You see it all all through Clone Wars. In the Clone Wars, they kind of start his relationship with Anakin Skywalker. Okay. And they kind of see eye to eye on a lot of things. Tarkin doesn't believe that the Jedi who are supposed to be peacekeepers have the fortitude or or, or the right people to be leading clones and... Anakin kind of agrees with them, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's kind of the fun thing that Filoni, and as we've said in that Star Wars gallery that we watched, how Filoni has this breakdown of the prequels that he like understands what George Lucas was trying to do yeah. to such a degree that you wish Filoni made the prequels. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> but there's a whole thing where basically, you know, the Jedi lost their way so much it led to their fall, and Anakin actually was seeing that happening and was fighting against it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually part of what led him to the dark side is because 
he saw that the good guys weren't being as good as they should be. And so that's why he can see eye to eye with a guy like Tarkin, which shouldn't generally happen, but it does. It's nice. It's a nice complex. These, yeah, yeah. these flony stuff is like, it's like breaking bad for kids almost. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of complexity in there that makes sense. It's very interesting. It, it, it's sort of like they, they're both sides of the coin to the fact that like the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah. Like that is a valid concept, but. Uh, Tarkin plays on the dark side of that aspect, yeah. and Anakin is more the good side of that aspect, kind of. But so Tarkin's one of those guys who's all about order and power. And the interesting thing too is, like, as much as we talk about how much we like Thrawn, Tarkin really is the original Thrawn. Thrawn yep. Thrawn's kind of just blue Tarkin in a lot of ways. He and has that alien advantage. Yep. Yeah, with the added aspect of he's supposed to be a strategic genius, where Tarkin really isn't shown that. Tarkin's more of a bureaucrat, a politician. He has all that sliminess of a politician. He's, I don't know if he's power hungry, but he wants to be in power. And oh, yeah. Not in that maniacal, like, ha laughing kind of way, but like he just craves order so much and efficiency. And he's a very, uh, very stereotypical Germanic, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Space German. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I really like about Tarkin, though, is that he's not afraid of Darth Vader at all. Nope. You can see that. You know, he like tells Darth Vader to like let he lay off. And even Princess Leia says, Oh, calls like Vader his like bulldog. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And part of that is because in this backstory, Tarkin's one of the few people who knows that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker. Uh that's true. Yes. Like he knows it. He knows the story. Uh, he knows the story. He knows who he is. He knows who he was. He's known him for forever. So in establishing that backstory, which is kind of a retcon backstory from the movie, but it makes so much sense when you watch A New Hope that he's not scared of Vader at all because he knows who he's known him since he was like a kid, basically. <laughs> it's true. So it, it's like he's like, I'm not scared of you. And then he watched his development with interest. Yeah. And he watched the fall of the Jedi. So that's why when he says old sorcerer's way, you know, just like, you know, <laughs> and then he's like, oh, man, you shouldn't be messing with Vader. And he's like, oh, yep, he's force-choking somebody again. <laughs> and then he's like, enough, 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 enough. It's just, he's so steely, evilly cool. He's a, Because of his ambition and rising up in the ranks, he's, a, he, he's one of those smart bad guys in that he sees the long game. Yes, the long game. He, he doesn't care about Darth Vader outburst because he knows Anakin the pod racer. Like he's yeah. seen all of it, but yeah. he's he's all about the long game and coming out on top despite minor inconveniences. Mm-hmm. And he's instrumental in building the Death Star. That's his oh. baby. He's basically the in charge of getting the Death Star built. You read all about that in Tarkin. That's where you learn all about the Death Star being built and find out why and it's kind of playing into the bad batch and this really isn't a spoiler if you just know about star wars Mm -hmm. is that part of the reason and i like that they're exploring in the bad batch is why aren't there clones anymore because clones are expensive to develop and build and they're trying to build a death star yeah and that takes a lot of resources up and so that's why tarkin's showing up in this thing because he's like looking for all the money that they can get the inefficiencies too that's also supposed to be why the clone trooper armor is so much better than stormtrooper armor because stormtrooper armor is like second rate because, hey, man, we need the Durstale to build this giant moon of death. Yeah, we can cut cost here yeah. and give them slightly downgraded yeah. armor, yeah. but they'll still so serve their purpose. Yeah. So there's a lot of cost cutting. It's very interesting. And I just love how they're putting that all together. It's great. Anyway, so Tarkin, <laughs> he's, 
He's second pick, though, because the first pick, I really want because if you're going against Tarkin, you're going against the entire Empire, and we've seen that before. I, I don't, My first pick, I think, is more fun. Okay. Make a more fun show if that's what I'm making. I guess we're making some crazy show here. We're, we're making our own Star Wars offshoot. Yeah. I love it. And similar, so we're moving on to my number one yes. pick, but it's number for similar one. reasons. Like, you could you could pick the the Empire bad guys, the real the Throns, your, your Tarkins. Obviously, they're ambitious. They have a goal, and just because they happen to be on the bad side is sort of irrelevant, but because they're so goal-oriented and focused, it's like, holy crap, that is a bad guy that's formidable. But for me, I'm going a little bit more personal, a little bit more one-on-one, but there is some sort of army, like, big gang behind them. For me, we're going back to the prequels again, and this is a highlight to the prequels for as much as we've talked about the prequels sort of being derided, but... You can't get better than Darth Maul. <laughs> Duel the fates all the way. Let's go. Let's cue up the soundtrack. <laughs> he's he's also we have his tops card too with the Tally Entry card. He's the backside of it. Yeah. Just on appearance alone, he looks so cool. He's got the red and black tattoos on his face. He's got horns coming out of his skull, and he's got the dual lightsaber. Mm-hmm. I was in the theater, and Darth Maul showed up, and he put out one side, and you're like, oh, that's cool. And then he put out the other side of his dual-sided lightsaber, and you're like, oh, my God, this is a bad guy. Uh-huh. Played by Ray Park, who is a legendary stuntman in his own right. He was Toad in X-Men. He was the Headless Horseman in Sleepy Hollow. But uh, I, I hope he's forever known as Darth Maul because he did such a great job with him. Mm-hmm. He can still do those moves, too, to this day. He, he does it at conventions. He pulls it out. He'll see someone with a double blade lightsaber and go, gimme. Yeah, and then he does all those twirls yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It's like, how are you so cool? So just on the surface of that, just being a, having the dual, dual-ended lightsaber and being like a jujitsu master, I don't know what the Star Wars term for his martial arts is, but... Uh-huh. On paper, on surface, that character is rad. But I'm mostly familiar with Darth Maul through The Phantom Menace, but Darth Maul has a wide and varied and rich backstory that exists in Legends outside of the prequels. And the constant and the reason I pick him for a bad guy is that every time you think you've gotten the best of Darth Maul, he comes back because he is a Sith he is angry. He has a bone to pick. He has vengeance. He he is fueled by hatred and uh, wants to take out Obi Wan Kenobi and any sort of Jedi. Like it keeps him going. You can cut him in half. <laughs> That's what happens in the Phantom Menace. He gets cut in half and he doesn't die. He uses the Force to save the top half of his body so that he can go to a junkyard planet and get spider legs put on the bottom half <laughs> of his body. <laughs> And then he eventually replaces those spider legs with actual droid legs that make him run and jump faster and be a formidable foe against the Jedi. Like, you can't keep Darth Maul down. And that's sort of the reason I like him as a bad guy, because if we're talking somebody we have to keep going up against in this fantasy show that we're creating, you can just have Darth Maul keep coming back up. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, he's back again. But this time he's mad. There's so much detail in his history that we could do a whole podcast on oh, it. Oh, yes, for sure. But he's had dealings with the Mandalorians. He was part of the the Death Watch and the whole Darksaber arc mm-hmm. uh, in the Clone Wars. He was the ruler of Mandalore for a hot second mm-hmm. because he had the Darksaber and he beheaded people. Ugh. Bad guy! <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're beheading people, ugh. But he's gone up against Obi-Wan. He's been head of the Crimson Dawn, which is a criminal underworld-like circuit 
that he's in charge of, so he knows how to wrangle up bounty hunters and put hits out on people and also, like Mafia, run the underground and make it the way it should be despite whatever political systems are going on or whatever battles and planetary interactions are going on. Darth Maul is sort of in the underground of it. But also, like, he comes from... I learned this in my research. This I didn't know, but he's the son of a night sister. Like, mm-hmm. not only is he a Sith, but he has dark magic in his blood. That's extra evil. So it's just <laughs> adding layers into this bad guy. He looks cool. He's got awesome lightsaber, and it's Ray Park. So, I mean, so many factors, but Darth Maul, number one. I want to see more and more of him. That's a, yeah, that's a, one of the great things that came out of the prequels. Yeah, yeah. Darth Maul. So. I just didn't realize he had so much context to him. Like, if you yeah. want a rabbit hole to go down, he yeah, has a, a, a serious one, like on the level of Anakin. We know Anakin's mm-hmm. story because we've seen it play out over nine movies, but Darth Maul has the same type of story. It just yeah. wasn't put in the movies. Yeah. Filoni had a lot of fun with him, too, and all the Clone Wars Rebels, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of crime lords and crime bosses, yes. I, I don't know if it's because I got a Bill Burr on my <laughs> ship or whatever, but <laughs> I kind of see like a Breaking Bad in space happening here because the one of the biggest and best and scariest crime lords in all of Star Warsdom is the guy known as Jabba the Hutt. Ooh, la, la, the solo <laughs> His eminence of Tatooine, the Hutt gangster and crime lord, member of the Hutt Grand Council, and operated a huge criminal empire from his palace in Tatooine in the Outer Rim. Jabba is the classic giant slug guy. If you don't know who Jabba is, why are you listening to this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) He's the whole reason Slave Leia exists. Yeah, well, he's the whole reason that Han got put in a carbonite and everything. And Jabba sent Greedo after Han. That's why Greedo shows up. It's all Jabba. Jabba, Jabba. We'll forget about the special editions where he was added in, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) One of the coolest things to me about Jabba is, again, our buddy Filoni, what they kind of did with him in Clone Wars, adding how important he was. It kind of added to his backstory and his importance. So he's just this gang crime lord, and you think, oh, okay, Han got in bad with him, but he's like the biggest crime lord. All the huts are kind of crime lords, but Jabba is like one of the most important he controls all these hyperspace lanes in the Outer Rim territories. Yep. And in the Clone Wars, basically, the two factions, the two factions that are trying to rule the galaxy, the Separatists and the Republic, both go to Jabba to try and get him to like join their side <laughs> so they can have control over the hyperspace lanes and support from him and stuff. So... It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, this criminal element, we just have to destroy it or whatever. No, we need him on our... That's how powerful he is. He's so powerful that they're each trying to court him to their side. Now, of course, the Separatists are doing it through a trickery way. It's the whole, his son gets kidnapped and stuff. It's kind of silly. It is still a kid (laughs) show, but I'm looking at what's on the underlying part of it, but... Mm. Uh, basically, the Separatists are trying to like manipulate him to join their side, and of course, the Republic is trying to do it in a more upfront way. But there's that whole arc. So he's so powerful. He's the Al Capone of Star Wars. He just controls everything in that area. And if you want to get anything done in the area, you have to go through Jabba the Hutt. He runs giant pod races. How cool is that? How <laughs> fun is that? And and these are things I think about because I'm thinking about this video game or show or whatever we're doing here. And I think about like scenes that could be done. You could like have a new pod racing scene, you know, 
I have all these pilots. Maybe Wedge or Tally have to enter or something for some reason. You could do a whole episode about that. Just to get info from the husband. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Something, yeah. something just... You know, he's got this huge army of, of Nictos and uh, and all these, like, cool... I don't think he has any humans working for him. He has all these cool aliens working for him. Yeah, yeah. That fight for him. Some of them, are, I guess some of them are, are, are slaves, but, hey, well, he's a crime lord. But, he, you know, he deals in the, the spice and the drugs. He's a, he's a bad guy. Absolutely. He's not doing good things, even... Because sometimes you get guys like the you know the Saw Guerreras and the the rebels and stuff and yep. yeah they're quote unquote bad guys because they're like doing things against the government the evil government the Empire but Jabba's a bad guy always no matter what the government is because he's selling poison he's into <laughs> slavery I mean he's not a nice guy he's a giant space slug and also giant space mafia like Godfather he's yeah. just he has all these people working for him like you're saying and he's in control of everything. He's he's the puppet master. Like yeah. he's a big fat slug. He can't move too fast. You yeah. know, he's not going out like lightsabering people, but no. he is sending out bounty hunters and also setting up pod races that are rigged in his favor. Oh it's yes. great. It's great. Just Jabba is a perfect bad guy for what I've built here. This strange like I said, I don't know if I'm building breaking bad in space, but I want this big giant crime I just I like that. I'm real excited for the book of Boba Fett because he's yes. in Jabba's palace doing whatever. We don't know what he's going to be doing, but we've been promised for years and years and years more exploration into the underworld of Star Wars because we got tastes of it with Jabba's palace. And that always intrigued me. I mean, I've said a million times before, Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. And people get all upset about it because of the Ewoks and stuff, but... <laughs> But when you think about how much good stuff is in there, that whole Jabba's palace scene is in there. Luke at the height of his powers, fighting a rancor. Yes. You know, you get Lando in there with this cool thing, the, the rescue that happens. Lay blah, 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 with her little, <laughs> Han, you know, thing, and Han's all scared, and it's the best. I love that whole that whole front Jabba's palace scene. Yes. It's just brilliant cinema. And if a couple of little murder bears ruin that for you, I don't know what's wrong with you. You're, that movie's brilliant. You're focusing on the wrong yeah. things. So Jabba the Hutt, yes, that's my first pick. And it was cool to see, like, outside of the original trilogy, we get a whole bunch of Hutt lore in the animated series, Clone yeah. Wars and Rebels, mm-hmm. like, and that just adds to it because you realize it's an enterprise and a family. Like, it's... it's Yeah, it's a crime family. It's Star Wars Mafia. Yeah. How can you not like the Mafia as a bad guy? It's like the Godfather of Star Wars. Yeah, they're playing all sides, so they always come out on top. Yeah. Oh, perfect bad guy. Man, maybe our shows can be related because I know Jabba and Maul get into it because they have crime syndicates that are kind of warring a little bit at some point. I don't think I mentioned it in my Maul breakdown, but Maul has interactions with everybody. Like, yeah. he, he keeps coming back, but he's gone up against Sidious, Dooku, Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Hutt. Like, he's shown up everywhere. So, absolutely, we could tie him in. Did you know there's a comic book scene where Darth Vader shows up at Jabba's palace? No. Yeah, part of him being involved in getting Han Solo, this is like retcon backstory. Like, why does he care to help Boba Fett. That's true. Like, why does he care about that stuff? Part of it's, you know, in the movie, it's bait to get Luke to come Mm -hmm. initially. But also, Jabba is key into them getting some of the resources they need to build the Death Stars. Oh, it comes back to that. I like it. (laughs) See? So that's how powerful he is. Darth Vader shows up at some point to negotiate with him. Hey, 
I'll help get this guy for you if you help us get, you know, the mining rights to whatever for Death Star 2. But Jabba hears that and he's like, oh, there's a weapon that's going to destroy planets that I can have a piece of? Of course, yeah. We'll yeah well, add it's, it to part, my... it's supposed to be part of why Death Star 2 got built so quickly. Uh, I be- was Jabba. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> what an evil but yeah. awesome, awesomely smart businessman. Yeah. It's a really cool. I've seen the. I saw in my research. I found. I saw the panel with Vader in the palace. Nice talking to Jabba. Looked so cool. And like you're saying, Book of Boba Fett. We saw him on Jabba's throne with yes. Bib Fortuna there. Like yes. that Enterprise will continue. Yes, with or without Jabba. But oh, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see it too. All right. So. All our picks are done. Ha-ha, <laughs> build a crew has been built. Yes, and that means our pizza is here, big giant table-sized pizza covered with all the toppings, celebratory. Yes, there's a little bit of salacious bee crumb over there. <laughs> there's some uh, bib fortunas. Oh, wait, no, wait, no. <laughs> what kind of pizza? What, what, what would Jabba the Hutt have on his pizza? Those frogs. Oh, those frogs, that's right. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, we're having frog pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's French. Just it's go with French, it. It's delicious. French, yeah. Frog leg pizza. Ooh, uh, <laughs> sure. Yes. Okay. Anyway, oh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please do let us know who are your Star Wars all stars. Who are your favorite bad guys? Who's your favorite ship? Yes. You can let us know at Assuming Pod on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Mostly Instagram. You can also Gmail us assumingpositions at gmail.com. I always put Mikey on the spot and say, "How does he want to see the email sent this time? In what format?" Um. Only because I'm still focused on Darth Maul and his whole night sister night brother connection. I I want some I want some magic spirit witch energy. Just shoot it into my brain. Your complaints, I'll pick it up. It's <laughs> Star Wars magic telepathy. It'll happen, but also maybe put in an email just for backup. <laughs> Star Wars Skype with a backup. <laughs> there you go. Gmail. Oh yeah, for Skype, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, do it that way. <laughs> Uh, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to share this with your friends. Let other people know. Repost at places. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. Not Scott Production for our equipment. Jazzar for our music. We hope you guys have a great week. It's a beautiful day. Get outside. And hopefully it's a beautiful day where you are. But get outside. Have fun.